welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. Today's guest on the podcast needs no introduction. It is the incredible Lola Berry, who has a huge list of incredible achievements throughout her career. Lola is a qualified nutritionist. She's known as a celebrity nutritionist here in Oz. She's an author, a yoga teacher, a podcaster. There's so many things I could list out, and I'm excited to dive into all of the incredible things you've done to date in your career, Lola. So thank you so much for making the time to be here and share your experience with us all. Oh, thanks for getting me on. I've been, I haven't done many health based ones for ages because I don't do that much nutrition stuff anymore. So it's kind of exciting slash a bit nerve wracking. I'm like shivers. Can I remember everything I need to? (laughs) Well, it's just talking about your career and everything you've achieved. And that's, what's going to be incredible. And you're a great example of someone who did start off so amazingly in the nutrition space and moved more as your interests and your personal evolution. Like you just followed what was aligned with you. Um, so I love that we have that progression into where you are today. Yeah, you got to chase. I always say you got to chase the Dharma, which is like your yes. purpose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, let's get started by talking about what first got you interested in the health and nutrition space. Where did you start? Uh, I was really unhealthy. I was a DJ and makeup artist when I was like 18. Yeah. And um, I was cool. I was quite cool. 18, DJing around <laughs> Melbourne. Um but I fell in love with my DJ teacher and I was like, oh, I really want to feel good in summer in a bikini, you know, like I want to feel it was fully for aesthetic reasons. And I just started like starting to care about what I ate and putting in nourishing food as opposed to like junk food. And I started to go, oh my God, my eyes are clearer. I can sleep better. I'm a nicer person. Weight is just a byproduct of all these other great things as soon as you start looking after yourself. And then I just became such a health nerd and I just loved reading about health and that you know broccoli works on phase two liver detoxification and just like I nerded out about so much stuff and so that's kind of what led me to want to start studying nutritional medicine yeah amazing and so you went on to study at Endeavor Yeah, I did a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in nutritional medicine I was really scared and apprehensive at first because I thought I wasn't smart enough to be doing that kind of a science degree. And um, I got, I remember I got 31% on my first foundations of chemistry exam. And that's when I figured out, Lola, you better um, get a tutor. And I got a tutor and and just figured out the way my brain liked to learn. I'm a visual learner. Yeah. Makes such a difference, doesn't it? Totally. Yeah. And when you were studying, did you have any idea that you would go on to achieve all the things you have achieved? Like, did you know what kind of career pathway you wanted to take yet? Uh, When I got out of year 12, out of school, I went straight into drama school. So I had auditioned for all the big drama schools in the country. And I was studying a Bachelor of Performing Arts before I even had thought about nutrition. And so when I started morning television, which was like my first big break. I think I was 22 
And um, that was when it kind of felt like the two married together. Like I was like, oh, of course I want to work in the entertainment industry. This makes sense. And I've got this cool skill set, nutrition. This works. I can do the two together and happy days. And so, no, I didn't know that I would end up in like media, but like I love it. I love it so, so much. Yeah. Oh, that worked perfectly and so fitting that they came together in such a way. Totally. So lucky. Yeah. And how did you go and get that big break? Like what first um, got you on the TV screens? Cold call, which I don't think you could do now. I think there'd be too many security like uh, (laughs) uh, firewalls to get through, but um, no cold call. We just literally called channel 10 and channel seven and channel nine. And eventually they wanted to do a one-off story on like a young female using YouTube at the time to spread a positive message and that's how I got my first go on the show and then as soon as they called cut on that first show they were like can we sign you as our nutritionist and that's wow. how I, yeah started yeah that's incredible and so you mentioned you had your YouTube channel before that did you start that while you were studying or was that after you finished while I was studying so about like the last six months of the degree And I was doing little radio spots and stuff. I knew I wanted to be like, I loved Steve Irwin. And I was like, if I can be like the Steve Irwin of health, I'm wrapped. And people were like paying me out and laughing at me when I'd say that. And they were like, what are you going to do, wrestle broccoli? And I was like, no, (laughs) this guy is like so passionate. He's like unapologetically himself. He's like so real and honest. And I was like, I want to use media the way he does and share an honest message. Yeah, incredible. And what inspired you to start that YouTube channel? Was it because you knew you wanted to be on people's screens and it was one of the best ways to get in front of people? It was a Steve Irwin picture. It was yeah. like I'd, what, I'd grown up, his show was on when I was a kid, his show was on every Sunday Arvo, you know, and I was like, what if I can do this for health? And because I'm not patient. I'm really, really a very, very impatient person and So I knew that I'd struggle with clinic, even though I still right up to COVID practiced in clinic. Um, But yeah, I'm not patient. I'm too much tough love too. Like I'm, I'm not um, empathetic enough to uh, be, you know, patient enough with my clients. So (laughs) I knew that it wasn't my calling a bit like drama, being in theater and drama school and being told that 98% of us would end up being drama teachers I was like I don't have the patience to be a drama teacher and so yeah I've always known that there was something I had to be more in that media and entertainment industry yeah makes total sense awesome and what was your experience like when you were on those morning tv shows yeah I mean I did it weekly for a while I've been on it like I'm I've just turned 36 and if I started when I was 22 like that's ages and obviously like on and off like I think I went on only went on studio 10 once last year with COVID stuff yeah but um it's always awesome it's most fun when there's a live studio audience that's always the most fun because you can get laughs you can have fun you can joke around um but obviously COVID times there's been no studio audiences yeah makes sense yeah and what's been something that's helped you build up that confidence to be on television and to be in front of live audiences has it just been natural to you uh, my motto is just always be real, yeah. like just be real. And so then if you stuff up, cause you will, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're just being honest. So you're kind of okay to stuff up. Um, I think that's what's brought, brought out the confidence. I was really nervous at first when I was much younger and filming the web series, I was super, super nervous, but 
I think, yeah, the more, the more you just like get in front of a camera, the more you practice, the more you're just like, yeah, I love this. And this is my calling and I'm going to chase this feeling. Yeah. Makes sense. That's cool. And yeah, it does um, always come back to that practice, doesn't it? Totally. I used to, I saved up, bought a video camera and I just set it up on a tripod every morning and talked to camera. And it's funny, like being in America, I've just, I mean, hotel quarantine as we record this, I've been in America the last like four and a half months and you have to have an American accent for acting. Really? Yeah. So I've done like four (laughs) years of training in an American accent and um, I was rubbish at the beginning and you just keep practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing until it feels natural yeah can you give us a little preview of your american accent oh, i knew i knew as soon as i did that someone would be something sorry i had to ask. a question and i'll answer it in an american accent um okay tell us about when you did your yoga teacher training in an american accent okay okay, okay. so i think i was 27 years old when i did my yoga teacher training and I loved it. It was so fun. And I did it in Melbourne, Australia. I don't know. I'm probably making it to California where they like, uh, Californians do this thing where they're like, they lengthen everything out and they're like, I'll have a matcha. And I'm like, do you need a matcha? Like they change the way they talk. Whereas normal Americans are just like, hey, how are you? Like, what are you up to? They'll just chit chat and make it shorter, but it's it's yeah. freaking hard. It's not yeah. easy, especially I haven't spoken it for a few days, like since I flew yeah. back to Australia. Makes sense. Yeah, you're good at it though, and I love oh. that Melbourne. <laughs> so spot Melbourne, on. Melbourne, yeah, and they say um they've got such funny words. They say we sell say aluminium foil, and they say aluminium. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oil, and you're like, "What did you just say?" And if they're stressed, they go. So if we're stressed, we'll go. Oh bloody hell! If they're stressed, they'll be like, "Jesus Christ!" That's what Americans do. Yeah, it's like learning all the new slang and lingo. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it would be awesome. So speaking of yoga, let's chat a little bit more about how you started to incorporate your passion and love for yoga into what you were doing in the health space. So that came to me, yoga finds you. That's the famous, that's what everyone says about yogs. Yogs will find you. So I was 27, been through a rough breakup. I was working in morning TV and I kept getting asked to speak about like famous people's diets, like celebrity diets. And they were always really extreme and not sustainable. And I remembered I got off set. I just talked about Beyonce's diet and she'd lost like X amount of kilos or something. And I got off set and I was like, I started crying. I was like, my whole shtick is to inspire people I'm inspiring nobody least of all myself and then I in my mind I hung up my tv shoes I was like you're not in it for the right reasons you're doing this to have relevance and have like a bit of pseudo fame this is bullshit and so I hung up the shoes and that's when I started doing my yoga teacher training and I said I want to get clear on my values and then I just remember at the end of yoga teacher training I wrote down in a book, what I would do if nothing else mattered. And I would still be interviewing people and doing a TV show. And I was like, oh my God, this is your calling. And so I had to let go of it in order to realize that it was my purpose. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And combining that yoga teacher training into what you were doing from a career perspective, you started taking on classes and things, didn't you? Yeah. I do a bit of everything. I don't like, yeah, I teach I've taught all through COVID too. I've just done free mm-hmm. classes online. But, yeah, I was teaching at all the big schools in Melbourne. Uh, yeah. I, I really liked it. 
I I just didn't get married well I didn't I didn't think much of it I'd never did it to be a teacher I always just did it for my own personal growth and I enjoy it myself so it was more like a gift that I give to myself and then when I teach I share that gift with other people oh that's really beautiful yeah Amazing. And so you've written a lot of books and you actually have a new book coming out, Fearlessly Failing. Let's chat a little bit about what it's like being an author and how you first got into that space and you wrote your first cookbook. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting because I feel like the times have changed so much. You can self-publish now if you want to. When I did it, I guess I half self-published. When I went on morning TV um, that first time my website crashed and people were trying to buy a book that didn't exist and so I kept doing tv segments like for you know got to like a couple months down the track and eventually I turned those segments into chapters of my first book so I do mood foods food to help you sleep food for detoxing food for you know um energy right and that then became the first manuscript so the first manuscript I self-published it but I had a little bit of financial backing from an independent publisher so it was like a half I was like half with a publisher half on my own and like even the font on the front cover of that first book it's called inspiring ingredients was my handwriting like it was home job total home job and there were typos like I remember there's a recipe in there for like muesli and rhubarb and I left rhubarb off the entire recipe (laughs) There's a lot of stuff up. So that was the first one. I think I was 22 when that came out. And then the rest I worked with publishing houses for. So that's a very different experience. You take, you pitch them an idea and they're like, yes, we really like that one. Can you flesh it out a bit? And then you give them what's called a skeleton, which is like all the chapter ideas. And then they're like, yeah, we love that. We need a hundred recipes to go with that. And then you go away and write your recipes and then you go away and write like the like meaty manuscript bits and then um it's like a 12-month process and then you shoot it it's a lot the shoot's my favorite bit so much yeah see it all come together yeah I'm visual I love it all yeah yeah incredible how many books do you have now I'm about to bring out my 11th wow that's phenomenal making me sound old isn't it (laughs) not at all Just, yeah, very talented and very um, productive. Like you kind of just churn things out. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess I I guess I did. I just, I like, I like having something to work on. I enjoy that feeling. Yeah, amazing. And how about Fearlessly Failing? How is that different to the cookbooks in the past? Because obviously it's less visual. And if the shoot has been your favourite part up until now, how has this one compared? So this is not a cookbook. There's not one recipe in it. Uh, it's There's like a tiny chunk on nutrition, like tiny. Um, it's personal development and memoir. So it was a lot more like pulling at my heartstrings as I was writing it because there were so many personal stories in there. And as I wrote it, my nan passed away. So then I started writing about grief. It was just very, it was like much more of a like, it felt more artistic or something. Yeah. Uh, and then versus cookbooks, like you send a recipes away to a recipe tester, they test them, then it gets shot, then it gets tested again. And like, it's, it's a very, 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 very different process. And I used to always put five kilos on every time I'd write a cookbook because I'd be testing stuff and trying this thing and trying raw treats and it was fun. But I was always like, oh my goodness, thank God. Every time I'd hit send on a manuscript, I'd be like, thank goodness, I can <laughs> eat normal now. Um yeah. 
I'm one of those people that if you make something healthy, like a healthy treat, I'll just eat the whole thing in one go. That's me. Yeah. But whereas, yeah, this one was a lot more of a solo journey. Like it was less of a team and you just had to sit with your words and your feelings and it was, yeah, much more solo. Yeah. Was it time frame wise a similar sort of process, like a 12-month journey or how did that look different to the cookbooks? Great question. Cookbooks are 12 months. Um, this, because of COVID, has been a year and a half. Uh, so it was meant to come out in September, COVID stuffed that up, which is probably a good thing, and now comes out in November. So it did get pushed a little bit. The timelines for manuscripts are about the same, though. So you've got about the same amount of window to write. Yeah, amazing. So cool. Um, if people were to buy one of your books, which one you, would you recommend starting with? So many people say this. I would probably say the Happy Cookbook if you want, like a combo of gluten-free recipes and yummy treats and it was the first book that kind of put me on the map as a health author so it was kind of like it's quite nostalgic for me I love the beauty food book I loved writing that it's very cleansy it's very light meals I, I always say books are like timestamps of your life and I was just in such a good place when I wrote beauty food and so I always like I always order beauty food stock because it just brings back the best memories for me Yep. And then the yoga, I did a whole yoga book as well, which didn't sell as well. Yoga books notoriously don't do that well in Australia. Interesting. But it was a good book. Like it was a good, really good book. And there's a seven-day vegan cleanse in it. And they're probably the three food ones that I would say were like winners. Yeah. But it doesn't reflect the bestsellers. Like the smoothie book was a bestseller and it, and I didn't even mention it just then. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It's just my personal favourites. Yeah, makes sense. Cool. I have a couple of your books and I love them all. They're such beautiful books. With they're bright, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're just so visually appealing and the content inside them is amazing. You can see why I love the shoot so much because it was Absolutely. always bright. There was rose petals. It was fun. We had a big crew as well. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, that would be incredible. Awesome. And then another aspect of your um, business and career is your Lola Coffee brand. Tell us a little bit about how that came about. So when I first started dating my boyfriend, I call him the bosso, but his real name is Matt. Yep. I used to go to his house and he'd make me coffee. He's Italian. So he makes those beautiful stovetop coffees. Yep. And I would take a little glad snap, snip, snap lock bag of lion's mane mushroom, which is a medicinal mushroom that is great for brain function and focus, mental clarity. And I put like a quarter of a teaspoon of it in my coffee. And he was like, what are you doing? That's ruining the coffee. And I was like, no, it doesn't impart flavor. It's great. Yeah. And he's like, well, what's it good for? And I said, I was like, it's a brain tonic. It's really, really good for you. And he was like, oh, can you put some in mine? And I was like, of course, put some in his. And he was like, oh, my God, it, you're right. It doesn't F up the flavour of the coffee. And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> and um, and they used to, I used to go to cafes and do the same. I'd be like, can I get a long black? And then they'd watch me just add this lines, man, and they'd be like, <laughs> especially in Melbourne where coffee is like king and everyone's a coffee snob and um, yeah, it doesn't impart flavor. So it's totally fine. But that's when he was like, let's create this. And then it was kind of like Matt's idea to turn it into a business. And then we bought on a third partner, Rob. And so the three of us have been doing it together. So it's specially great instant coffee with medicinal mushroom lion's mane. We've also got sustainable, eco-friendly, compostable biodegradable pods coffee pods and then we've just launched an adaptogenic hot chocolate with ashwagandha and maca and sashandra i can't say that word because i've got a list but you get the juice like all adaptogenic herbs yeah. but yeah it's really i had the hot chocolate last night so yum 
Yeah, amazing. And how has it been different having a products-based business amongst all the other things you do? Well, it's e-commerce, so it's instant. So you're the one posting it out. You're the one packaging it. You're trialing everything. Yeah. Um, my boyfriend's past is food science, so he's amazing at, like, product development. I'm not. I'm really bad at it. I'm more like – I always said to Matt when he gets angry at me, I'm like, I'm the evangelist. <laughs> I'm the person that talks about the passion. And he's like, oh, righto, Lola. <laughs> but um, I get excited about it as opposed to he'll he'll understand like exactly how much of ginger is in one thing or he's the the like science, food science side of it. Yeah, makes sense. And I'm guessing you have a team that packs it all for you and everything. Like are you quite hands-off in that business? Uh, we weren't. We definitely weren't when it first came out. We were doing it all ourselves. Wow. But then just for like um, continuity and like the exact down to the exact gram and we wanted to make sure everybody was getting like the exact same product, um, then we definitely started to spend money on getting it packed um, on a special facility site and then basically it gets all delivered to us and we still post it out. Matt hates when I tell people that, but stuff it. It's the truth. We, we post it out ourselves and then eventually I'd like to think that we can get a, we can then outsource that as well so that Matt can have his music studio back. <laughs> it would be taking over, hey? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's great that you guys are packing it though. Like I would have imagined it was kind of like you just externally got all that dealt with, but I love that it's still coming directly from you. Yeah, we write little love notes in every order and yeah, no, no, we love it. But I mean, it is like for the company to grow, you do need to eventually be like, we love you, but outsource now. So (laughs) hopefully we do get to that phase sooner rather than later, but like it's all part of the journey. It's such a fun product and fun business to have. Yeah, I can imagine. And what's your favourite thing about having a product? Uh, I mean, selfishly, I love the coffee so much. Like mm-hmm. I have it here with me. I love travelling with it. Like you just pop a sachet and add hot water on a plane. It's like the best thing and it's clean. Yeah. So selfishly, I just love the product and I literally consume the product every single day. So for me, it's like, oh, I've got coffee on tap. Um, but as far as like creating something that people can access I love that's why I love writing books as well because you're creating something tangible that people can buy and take home and bring into their world into their kitchen I like that feeling yeah amazing and comparing the book to a product that people consume multiple times and have to keep restocking on like for example a book you buy once and then they've got that for life whereas the coffee they're going to continue to put orders have you noticed much of a difference from like a business structure and business model side of things I guess so I mean like to be fully transparent with you the books like my last 10 have all been with publishers so I don't see I don't see them in a warehouse I don't I don't get in that like I'm less involved I'm involved with like the manuscripts really really heavily I'm involved with all the shoots really really heavily but then like I kind of send it to the gatekeeper you send it to your publishers but whereas with the coffee and something like you said that needs to be continually ordered for them to keep consuming the product I feel much more connected to that on a personal, like, because we literally pack the orders and literally send them out. I guess that feels more like, um, I don't know, I just, one feels like it's like a necessity item and the other feels like it's a special, really special gift or something. And the book feels like that really special kind of like sacred gift because you throw your heart into a book. It's like you. 
I call it a baby, not that I've ever had a baby, but I, you know, you, it takes a long time to birth a book. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, the product is like you're creating something that's hopefully helping people and inspiring people. So they're two very, 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 very different things, but both really cool and both really fun. Yeah, makes sense. And when it comes to those books, obviously there were so many recipes in all of your cookbooks. How did you find the inspiration to come up with that many different recipes? <laughs> Oh, good question. I mean, it feels like so long ago now because I haven't written a, this is, it's been three years since I've bought a book out. Yeah. And the yoga one, I wrote that in Mexico. Wow. I didn't write it in Australia. I was traveling. So that would have been four years ago and I was traveling in America and then Mexico. So I was writing, that's where I got heaps of inspo for that book because I was eating Mexican food. Yeah. Uh, so it depends on where I am. Travel's a big thing for me. It's one of my passions. So usually I'll learn it from like America because the health is great there. Yeah. There are so many health bars and amazing health supermarkets. Um, but I mean, it can be from an experience. It can be from childhood. Like one of the in one of the books, there's like um, I put in like a sticky date pudding recipe because that's my dad's favorite recipe. You know what I mean? Like there's lots of or pancakes I always make dad pancakes on father's day like there were all these things that I put in that were nostalgic for me in my life but like some random things you you'd you'd get inspired by and heaps of stuff didn't work at all yeah but um some stuff did (laughs) the joys of recipe development hey (laughs) oh my (laughs) yeah 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 and what would you say are some of the skills that you've needed throughout your career to date Tenacity, drive, um, resilience, gumption, uh, strength. I think it's harder than you think to succeed. And I think like, and I wouldn't even say that I don't see myself necessarily as some epic success, but I do know that like I've got drive and I've got willpower and I've got work ethic. And I think that's probably they're the cornerstones for me and they're what I've relied on to get to where I need to get to. Yeah, makes sense. And what are some of those things that help keep you going through those hard times? Because as you said, success doesn't always come easy. Like you have to put work in. Um, What keeps you going? Yeah, Yeah. I fail all the time. Uh, It's weird. I have little things like I'll have a song I'll listen to to like get me back in a good mood or um, for me, movies, like I think being so passionate about acting, like going to the movies is like such a treat and I do that whenever I need to reset. I'm I'm sure you're expecting me to say yoga or getting out to nature, but it's for me like watching other people live their passion. So like actors acting, I love. Um, So for me, a reset is a movie, but like it can be like, having the right kind of people around you. I have a therapist that I see every second week. So, you know, having having the right kind of like teammates around you. Mm, yeah, that support network can be a real game changer. Big time. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of people around you, um, how important have you found things like networking in your career? It's funny you say that. My friends have always said I'm really good at it and I don't even realise I'm doing it because I don't feel like I do it. Um, But, like, I can rock up to work gig, no probs, and, like, chat to people I don't know. Is that networking? I don't know. I don't know. I've never looked at it specifically like networking. I've just kind of tried to be really present and in the moment and whoever I'm staying next to I'll talk to. Like, I don't really 
think, oh, I need a network with that person. Like I don't, <laughs> I just I just think like if you work hard, you kind of trust that the right people are going to like walk into your sphere and then when I meet those people, I'm ready. Like I remember when I was in LA recently, I had to do a car swap with another Australian actor. So we literally just had to swap cars and she goes, oh, I really love your accent. I've got a movie coming up that I need to have a really strong Australian accent for. Can I meet you and can you record, can I re- get you to record my sides, which is her script? Yep. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, no sweat. And she's like, I'll pay you. I was like, no, no, just buy me a coffee. I met her. I'm sitting there reading like a really like headed by one of the massive production companies in America, reading this script with her and doctoring it and wow. doing all this cool stuff. And to me, that's just being present and being open and willing to work. That's what that is. But um, I guess some people would call that networking. Mm, I suppose any form of building connections, whether you're intentionally going and being like, I want to network with new people or you're just open to the people that come across your path. Yeah, I think that's a really great thing to touch on. Mm, Totally, I like it. Yeah, awesome. Um, And now another area of all the amazing things you do is your podcast. Tell us about um, what brought that idea about and how you're finding that experience. I'm obsessed with podcasting. How good is it? Do you love it? It's so fun. Yeah, it's the best. These conversations, they're just like, they're so fun. (laughs) Yeah, I'm obsessed. I love it so much. I never thought I'd be so obsessed with it because I love filming and I love TV, but I love this long form interview. I just recorded a pod like you and I were just talking at the start. I just recorded a diary pod for being in quarantine this morning and I just think like it's such a fun way to communicate and connect with people there's no filter you're not being edited so you can just be real um and I get so inspired by the guests that I get on I'm like whoa like and some of the coolest people will just say yes to you and you're like what whereas then you'll expect to get someone you'll be like hey can you jump on the podcast and you'll just get so much pushback yeah. And usually I'll just walk away from that and be like, no worries, mate. Let's let's revisit in a, you know, in a year's time or something. Meanwhile, I've kind of like let that go. But like I know another thing I noticed in America, like I saw this amazing stand-up comedian who's also a really big actor. Yeah. And I just DM'd him after the set and I was like, oh, you're amazing. I didn't think he'd even see it. Like I, yeah. he's a pretty big actor. And um I was like, I'd love to interview on my podcast. And he's like, yeah, I love Aussies. When do you want to do it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and you just meet the coolest people. Like, yeah, I'm obsessed with it. I learned so much. I've actually, I've had three guests, one, two, three guests that I've like fully welled up and started crying in when mm. I'm interviewing them. I'm like, Ugh just because they're so like vulnerable and um, raw and you can feel when people have just got no filter and I love it because it's just so rewarding to do interviews like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I love how you said you just um, DM'd that stand-up comedian and it shows the importance of just putting yourself out there, doesn't it, with any context of um, career and whatever you want to do in this field, like just putting yourself out there and putting yourself in front of people and just seeing what happens. You DM me after the Herald Sun article or the newspaper article, right? Yeah, exactly. So you got on here and same sort of thing. I was like, oh, Lola probably is not going to even see this DM, but here we are. And like, how exciting. (laughs) And it's so exciting for me because I don't get to do health one, like health ones I don't do anymore. So it's kind of nice to like dip back into the old ways. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So thank you. Thanks for asking me. <laughs> thank you. It's my pleasure. <laughs> And when it comes to your podcast, do you do all of like the production side of things yourself or do you outsource any of that? Oh, loving these questions. Okay, so all research is me. I'm a bit OCD. I'll research between 8 to 12 hours per guest. I'm like real nerdy to the point that I've had guests be like, stop the interview, you know too much, you need to cut (laughs) that out. Like, And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Um, But all the posts, like editing and sound and the music, that's my boyfriend. He's a music producer. So I'm very lucky to have an MVP in my corner who's, like, that's who I was sending the link to for what I just recorded then. But, like, being in LA, I've learned how to record everything on my own. Like, I travel with all my gear. I've got two mics. I've got my recorder. I know how to upload it to Dropbox. So I, I do all, I make sure I get everything to him. But yep. yeah, he's sending me the audiogram. He's he's um doing a lot of the heavy lifting too. Yeah, oh, power couple, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> so lucky. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what would you say you attribute your success to date to? Uh, no, I've just kind of chased that feeling in your heart. Like I've just always gone after that feeling of you know, there's something to go for. And I don't know. I've just, I've, I've a huge believer in chasing your passion and yeah. doing what feels true to you and coming from that space. And I think, I just think chasing that feeling and not giving up has probably helped me. Yeah. Incredible. And what do you see as next for yourself? You're obviously going more into that acting space. Um, yeah. What's your vision for the future? Well, I've just spent last four and a half months in LA training and acting, which is, I've been training for four years, but I haven't trained in America at like the the mecca of it all. You know, it's the melting pot. Yeah. Uh, So I've come back to Australia. I'll tour with this book provided like COVID prevailing. Um, I I really want to do like outdoor yoga events and stuff to help launch the book. Yeah. Um, I'll stay here for Chrissy and then I'll go back to America early next year. I try to get an acting agent and I love TV hosting too. Like I'd love to host a late night talk show or something like that. I, I love Steve Colbert, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon. I love them all. Yeah. So I'd love to host a show. Um, but also I really want to act because it scares me so much. And I think it's important to do the things that scare you. So mm-hmm. yeah, acting, TV presenting is my focus now. Yeah, uh, and then I really want to see this book fly. Yeah, I have no doubt it will. <laughs> crossing everything, mate. I'm crossing yeah. everything. <laughs> and you mentioned you love doing things that scare you. How do you help yourself get out of your comfort zone and go after those things when the easy thing is to stay in the comfort zone? Well, drama school forces you to do that every week. Like I, every week you go up, so you have to perform. Like you literally have a new character, new accent, new mm. new something or other. Yeah. So new set of circumstances, new scene partner. So like acting school forces, you do it on a regular basis. So you're constantly getting outside your comfort zone. You're constantly facing your blind spots. But like I had a rule before I went back to acting training and I didn't even realize this, but I set myself a rule in my twenties. I was like, do one thing that scares you so much every year. So I skydived, I swam with whale sharks in, in, you know, in the wild, in the Maldives. Um, I, I sung. I can't sing. I'm tone deaf. I sung at a charity event. Oh, I can never listen to Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend by Marilyn Monroe ever again. (laughs) Uh, You ruined it for yourself. (laughs) 
always try, like even last year in Byron, I went kayaking um, with dolphins, which means you're in shark territory. Like, yeah, I always try to get outside my comfort zone in many ways. And I like adventure in case you can't tell. And, but even like traveling to America in the middle of a pandemic for my green card was so scary. Yeah. yeah, Just always getting outside my comfort zone, any chance I get. Yeah. Incredible. And I love that whole thing about the one thing that really scares you a year. Like, it's yeah, really cool thing to incorporate into like your yearly goals and stuff. Just like what's the thing that's going to scare me and push me to the next level. Yeah. And it's petrifying, yeah. like, Oh, skydiving. Just if you want to do one thing, just skydive. That's scary. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Um, what is one lesson that you wish you learned sooner in your career? Oh, get a therapist. Yeah. Uh, like I didn't start getting a therapist till I was 30 properly. Well, yeah. that means there's a delivery at the door. Oh, um, <laughs> I get so excited. Um, yeah. yeah, so I didn't start um, therapy until I was 30 and went through a really bad breakup. And yeah. I, my advice to anyone is go in your 20s. Go earlier, just process, like uh, just to understand your own psychology. Like it's a superpower. If you understand the way that you cope with stress, if you understand what drives you, what motivates you, if you can understand like your values and what's important to you, is it family, is it love, is it success, is it career, is it money? What is it? Like if you can figure that out about yourself early on, it's going to help you navigate your way through life so well. So mm. I would say, I always say to people that are younger than me, I'm like, get that sorted sooner rather than later. And you're going to have less pain because you're so comfortable sitting in it and learning from it. Yeah. And, um, you're going to be able to navigate career stuff and, and heart stuff much faster. Yeah, that's a really good one for sure, therapist. Do you have any other tools that you use alongside that? Like, for example, journaling or meditation or anything like that? For me, like therapy is like numero uno, like it's my non-negotiable. But, yeah, like I have like little manifesto books and journals and goal- they're more goal books than journals. I, I rarely journal unless I have to in acting school. They make you journal heaps uh, for, for characters and stuff like that and you have to draw from your own life. So you're forced to journal heaps. But um, usually for me it's goals, what I want to achieve, I like setting short medium and long-term goals yeah amazing um and your journal book what's in that your sorry vision book did you call it yeah like I call it manifesto but this this one is technically this one here is technically my podcast book so it's all the (laughs) it's actually all the um my notes on podcast guests and whatnot but it's also turned into like a list book. Like I would make goals for what I want to achieve in a day and stuff. Like you can see yeah. I do all that. Yeah, wow. It's a long list. <laughs> Man, love a long a list. A lot to get through. <laughs> yeah. 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 Actually, speaking of, how do you keep up with everything you've got going on and make it through all those things on your um, to-do list and just stay on top of things while also having a balance of what you do in your personal life, social life, love life? Uh, I, so I write a list. Usually I write a list at night before I go to bed that I want to achieve the next day. And then when I have my morning coffee, I'll just like revisit it. See if I want to rejig it, change anything, add anything, take anything off it. And then I'll check in. Like I've got a whiteboard, um, where I've got everything I want to do today on it. So yeah, I just probably, I, I feel better if I've done it the night before, cause then I can like not think about it when I go to bed. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And does it ever get overwhelming juggling the few different things you have going on or do you find you're just kind of used to it and you just take it all in your stride? 
yeah, I just go with the flow. Um, it's never going to be always busy and it's never going to be always quiet. So I just kind of like go hard when I can. And when I'm not going hard, I'll usually be studying. I'll take on extra drama school subjects or dialect classes. So, yeah, I'm pretty busy, but I like that. And I just try to really manage my time. And yeah. being a Virgo, triple Virgo, I just like to, I like to plan and I like to, have lists and have um, timeframes. Yeah, amazing. So when it comes to time management, would your recommendations be having good lists and like a whiteboard or somewhere you can see them or what are some of your top tips? For me, definitely. I don't know if that works for everyone. For me, it totally works. I love the feeling of ticking something off a list or like drawing through something or colouring in something. So, Yeah. yeah, I think it's helpful. And also it means I don't forget stuff. Yeah. I do have lists on my phone, but I much prefer tactile writing. I've have like all different colored pens and highlighters. Um, I like, I like kind of like um, physically doing it. I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. So nice. Like that visible, like, and the feeling of crossing things off. It's just like, yes, I achieved something. <laughs> totally. Totally. I agree. Yeah. Um, so what tips would you have for fellow nutritionists who are either just getting started in this space or still deciding where they want to go with their degree? Um, what would you tell them? Oh, just like follow your passion, like do what you love. Life's too short. Just um, figure out when time stops for you and do more of that. And if that's in clinic, awesome. If that's not in clinic and you think that might be in like food development, give that a crack. You know, if you want to work more, in a hospital or with a sports team that's really where I'm where I did a lot of my training and I did a lot in Melbourne and Queensland but in Melbourne a lot of people wanted to work with the football teams and be nutritionists for um, footy teams so like I think just figure out where you see yourself sitting and try on like all the different like I guess I don't know what the word is I'm looking for but like try if you think oh I, I don't know if I want to do clinic try it if it doesn't work let it go like just keep trying until you find what you love yeah amazing and earlier you mentioned following your dharma and that's how you've been led on the path that you're currently on how do you sort of tap into what your dharma is is it through trial and error like you mentioned or is there anything that's really worked for you yeah you just find the thing that when time stops for you so you know like even though acting school scares me like I'm so present that time is gone um when I'm recording a podcast often I'll have to keep I notice I have to keep checking the time otherwise I know I'm going to go over because I'm just in the moment so find those things that you do where you're like four hours have just gone by yeah you know and I think get more of that in your life Mm, yeah it's a great way to judge what's right for you absolutely amazing And if you could recommend one book for every listener to read, what would it be and why? And, of course, yours are on there, but um, aside from your amazing 11 books. (laughs) Um, Gee, I didn't read it all in L.A. because I was doing scene study all the time, so I was reading scripts. Yeah, it's probably enough reading Um, there, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I I can tell you some good scripts to read. Um, What have I read? Oh, do you know what I loved? Yeah. Um, I interviewed this author. Her name is Candace Fox, and she's written a book this earlier this year called The Chase, and it's really cool. It's like crime, crime fiction, and it's really cool. It's like an escape of uh, jail 
all these escapees of a jail, a high maximum security jail, and you get to follow all the lives of everyone that's escaped. And it's real. like I was enthralled yeah. and I binge read it in like three days. If you want like a bit of escapism, yeah. read The Chase by Candace Fox. Amazing. I love a good crime book. They're so good at keeping you on the edge of the seat, aren't they? Oh, <laughs> So good. Yeah. So I can't wait. I've ordered some to my hotel quarantine. Yeah. Well, you've got plenty of time to read for the next 10 days or so. So <laughs> totally. totally. Amazing. Well, this has been so insightful and it's really inspiring hearing all that you've achieved in your career. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you think would be worth um, chatting about today? Or do you feel like we've gone through each area? We've done everything. I just wish I got to send you the book before we spoke, but no, but I don't even have it. No one's even seen it yet. So I cannot wait. I really hope this book um, helps people. That's my dream. Yeah. That's my goal. Oh, I have no doubt it will. And I've pre-ordered mine, so I can't wait to receive oh. it. Um, yeah, it's going to be a phenomenal one. And it's so important, actually. Let's chat a little bit about the importance of failing and what you can gain from failing and not being scared of it, because obviously that's a huge theme in your upcoming book. So um, do you want to touch on that? Yeah, I love failing. I would fail like 80 to 90% of the time, I would say. Um, I think failing is great because you grow, you learn, you face your blind spots. It usually isn't as bad as you freak out in the lead up to failing as well. Like I think we get so caught up in like, what if it goes wrong? What if it goes wrong? And usually it doesn't even go wrong. But if it does, like there's such a beautiful lesson in the like dusting yourself off and getting back up and you learn, like when I was saying to you, like, you were like, what would you put your success down to? And I was like, resilience, gumption, like all that, that comes from failing over and over and over again. And so I welcome failure because it is such an opportunity for me to grow mm-hmm. and learn and become better. Yeah. And so that's why I love it so much. Yeah, I so agree with that. And it's true. We do learn from failing, not from success. Cause when we're just succeeding all the time, you're not really learning much. Like kind of just like taking it on in your stride and it's amazing but if it's just always that you're not getting those important lessons that can like take you to the next level it's kind of more like coasting along yeah you gotta have a mix of the two yeah. and success is so much sweeter when you fail yeah too. absolutely you really appreciate it especially for how totally. hard you've tried and what you've been through to get there oh yeah totally yeah incredible um so do you have any parting words of advice or wisdom for the listeners before we fully wrap up I interviewed someone on my pod the other day and I was asking, he worked on a film set and he was saying, oh, you know, the lead actress on the film had like six changes in one day and had to film out of sequence. So like was doing a romance scene first up and then was doing like a really emotional scene after that. And just, and I said, what's the key? Like how do people, I was like, how did she not like lose her shit? And how do you remember her lines? And he said, she stayed sharp. Mm. and I was like "Ooh, I want that I want to stay sharp so stay sharp and it doesn't mean oh be a shark and be be aggressive it's like just be sharp be clear be be onto it be um so connected to who you are as a person that you are sharp I love it that is such cool advice I really like that yeah. stolen from a guest on my podcast love it everyone (laughs) will have to go listen to that episode who was that with so they can tune in there too Sam Kennedy. Amazing. He's a legend. He's a um, film and TV producer. Amazing. Yeah, cool. We'll all have to check that out after this. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. My pleasure. And before you do go, where can the listeners find you? 
I'm pretty, um, I like Insta, so yep. Yummo Lola Berry. And then, um, you know, I've got a website and stuff, but I'm pretty quick on Insta. I'm quicker on Insta than Facebook. Yep. Amazing. Good to know. And I'll pop links to your Insta in the show notes and everything for everyone to find you. But yeah, thank you so much, Lola. This has been so much fun. And I know everyone's going to learn so much from you because I certainly have. So thank you for your time today. Thank you, my friend. You're a legend. My pleasure. Right back at you. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it, and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me, and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality. Thank you.